0: up quick at about noon
1: and we welcome you in here to the weekend edition of the podcast with damon barling presented by vibe health park with three locations in east sacramento oak park and folsom go grab your birthday suits go grab your smoothies go grab your acai bowls and all the healthy food that they got there go check them out we appreciate you so much for tuning in i appreciate you so much for tuning in i didn't drop an episode last week but i should have done and this was my plan all along and i kind of dropped the ball so please forgive me I did do a podcast last week. I just didn't do this podcast last week. I did an episode of the Dope Ones podcast, and my hope was if we push that out on social media, get everybody to go listen to that. I really think uh, people haven't. I know the Be Her platform is really kind of centered on sports, particularly with like this podcast, and I know that this used to be daily, and you know the Deuce and Moe podcast that really centers on sports. Our new Watching the Tape podcast with Sanjay Singh and Tim, Tim Maxwell—that's an awesome podcast. Kings fans seem to be loving that, but again, it's it's really sports centric. Sean and Vaughn they do their weekly sports show, so it's so much of what we do on our platform right now is is really centered on sports. And I get that uh, Deuce Mo and, and I we kind of live in the you know the sports media world, so that's generally like when you talk about social media followers, when you talk about the people that we interact with, it's generally sports fans. But the Dope Ones isn't a sports podcast; it's like a it's just a conversation podcast. There's a lot of you know, entrepreneur conversations in there. Like he Don is a great storyteller. Like he does a great job of laying out his interviews to where they're telling stories and uh, I did an episode with him last week and I was really hoping you check that out. What I should have done is I should have recorded just like a 60-second commercial to post here on this podcast and have you go check that one out. So I'm just going to throw this out there right now. If you haven't listened to the Dope Ones podcast yet, Go check it out. I really think you'll like it. Listen to the episode that I did last week. It's the latest episode that's up. And then, you know, venture into the other episodes. There's about seven or eight. And I really think you'll dig it. And our hope is, because we want to expand, you know, the the Be Heard is is meant to, in terms of the podcast portion of Be Heard, it's going to expand well outside of sports. Uh, We have some exciting new podcasts coming up here that venture into, you know, stuff like, snack foods you know what i mean like we have our our we dream podcast which is the youth-led podcast that's going to be launching on our platform in the coming weeks so you know we we're going to venture outside of the world of sports and we're we're really hoping that you'll go check some of those out so if you didn't get an opportunity to hear my conversation with Donnie ramsey on the dope ones podcast you know go check that out if you haven't subscribed yet just search Be Heard in your podcast platform, particularly Apple Podcasts. Our podcasts are up on Amazon now, uh, for those of you who use Amazon Music. Uh, if you're a user of Radio.com, hopefully all of you are. You know, Radio.com is the best way to listen to d and KC on ESPN and 1320. And it's the only way that you can get uh, an a on-demand version of d and KC. We didn't put a podcast out on any other platform. It is only available on radio.com and that was a strategic effort on our part because we wanted people to download that app we wanted people to be really invested in radio.com and then it's not a little rinky dink app if you haven't downloaded it yet it's not like it's just espn 1320 like you get stations from all over the country like intercom is one of the intercom is the company that owns espn 1320 it's one of the biggest media companies in the country and you can get all of their radio stations from all over the country on that one app. Like, I, I mean, I know most people here are Sacramento Kings fans, but if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan or, you know what I mean, a Cleveland Browns fan or you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan, you can access stations in those markets uh, that talk about your favorite sports team. Or if you just want to hear, you know, what other music playing radio stations, you know, play during the day, you you can access all of that. Uh, through the radio.com app and our podcasts are there as well the Be Heard podcast they're all put there on radio.com and in the upcoming days they're going to all be available on the ESPN 1320 channel as well so uh, if you have the opportunity check out the Dope Ones podcast it's why I didn't post an episode last week because I had done that one and part of me was too we launched a we launched game day yesterday you know we're one week into the NFL season and you know week two begins on Sunday I'm recording this on Saturday morning and We launched game day uh, with Dillon and KC, which was it's a it's a it's basically a pre-show for the San Francisco 49ers because we're the home of, you know, 49ers football. We lean really, really heavily on the San Francisco 49ers. We do a lot of talking about them, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the week. And so we decided to do a a, a pregame show and a postgame show. And so I basically worked all day Sunday, and I, I hadn't done a pre-show in a long time, and I was kind of nervous, like, ah, uh, all right, San Francisco 49ers, like, how can we make this, like, really interesting? How can we make this really fun? So I spent most of Saturday preparing for Sunday's show, and this this podcast kind of got neglected, but I, I promise this this podcast, that we're missing this podcast isn't going to be something that regularly happens. Something that might happen though, and I've thought about this for a long time. And given, you know, this weekly podcast, given for the next, you know, 17 weeks or so, we're gonna be doing pregame and postgame shows for the San Francisco 49ers. We got a lot planned for the upcoming Sacramento Kings season as well over on ESPN 1320. I'm probably gonna shut down the Patreon page. I haven't. I haven't decided yet. Like I haven't posted a wrestling. I haven't even had the chance to watch wrestling. Like I've been following the Roman Reigns heel turn, which I thought was really, really good. And I saw some of the stuff that they've been doing with Jey Uso again. I think it's really, really good. But the overall product, I haven't had a chance to watch yet. I mean, like outside of the Roman Reigns storyline, I thought the I thought Roman's return was 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 well done the alliance with Paul Heyman I thought was fantastic and as they was kind of like okay wait did he just turn heel like I think he turned heel and then he aligns himself with Paul Heyman and it's like okay I'm he's okay I'm, he's he's definitely a heel and then you know the way he entered that triple threat match with like he comes out at the end which is such a heel move it's like okay he's a full on heel and I love the way that they're telling that story it's probably the best at least in the last month. It's probably the best month's worth of storytelling they've done in years. I know people love the the Otis storyline, but I didn't really I I never got into it. And does he still have money in the bank? Like that's crazy to think about. Like, oh does Otis still have money in the bank? Money in the bank feels like it was an eternity ago. It it I know it wasn't, but it really does feel like it was a it was a really long time ago. But I haven't had the chance to do that in and, and and I've really kicked around the idea of making be conscious uh, a non-paid podcast because it's you know th- th- there are kind of two forms two schools of thought like keep it a paid podcast because people really like it but it's also like you know make it a free podcast because people really like it and I mean the people who signed up for the patreon account you guys have been you know so amazing uh you really helped you've helped launch be heard uh you've helped launch like be heard now is a is, it's a full-on non-profit organization And there are some really, really exciting things with Be Heard on the way. And I told you like the podcast platform is just a small, it is just a small, small, tiny part of what the bigger picture is. Uh, The bigger picture is to introduce youth to media and podcasting and broadcasting and social media management and things like that. And, and we're on the cusp of some some pretty major partnerships that we're excited about. But everyone who, you know, subscribe to the Be Conscious podcast into the Patreon account, you guys help do that. You help launch the partnership with the Dope Ones and, and getting those T-shirts done and all of those different things. Those T-shirts are still available. The Dope Ones You've got T-shirts for me, for Deuce and Mo, uh, for J Street Vibes like they're all available there. Uh, on on the ones dot com, so make sure you check those out, and you could cop those at any time like that. More than a podcast T shirt, you know, still holds true. You know, we are more than a podcast. We're be heard. Uh, we're a podcast network. We're a radio show. We're social media management, and and that's all because of of you who have supported this podcast uh, and who supported us on Patreon. But I'm trying to decide within the next week before the next round of charges come whether I'm going to keep going with with the Patreon page because I don't ever want people to feel like. I don't want people to subscribe to something and then not get, you know, their money's worth, even if it's $4 worth, even if it's $7 worth, I I want people to get what, you know, get, get, get what they pay for. And it's just so difficult getting all this extra content up now because of, because of my responsibilities to ESPN 1320 and that radio show, all of the social media work I do uh, for them. And Now the pregame show for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, And I can't, you know, I can't even imagine what things are going to be like when King season gets here, uh, because we're, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of Sacramento Kings stuff, man, that I think you're going to be, you're going to be really excited about. And let's, let's not make this a, Hey, state of the union address. Let's get into some news. I mean, I'm sure you have all listened to, you know, a dozen podcasts and a dozen radio shows and a dozen conversations about the Sacramento Kings new general manager, uh, Monty McNair that search uh, came to a conclusion and you know it, it was like a it was it, it seemed Kings fans were really happy for a night it was like all right here we go Monty McNair and let's all you know anyone who's who who talks as if they know a great deal about any of these candidates is is kind of being silly even my partner Jill adds, she researched all of these candidates and learned to understand them my partner on the Sacramento Kings podcast but she, when, when, the, when the general manager became position became available, she started doing a ton of research. And she knew who, you know, a lot of us knew who Adam Simon was. Some of us knew who Sasha Ngumta was. I had no idea who Monty McNair was. I had never heard of him. Um, I knew who Wes, I, I didn't know who Wes Wilcox was originally. But when someone said, and I think it was Jill who mentioned, yeah, he got in trouble in Atlanta for making a joke about his, his wife and his kids. Because his, his wife and his kids are black. And I was like, oh, I remember that guy. Okay, it's not going to be him. Like they're they're not going to hire him, especially given off get, you know coming off the heels of them firing their play by play guy. So and, and, and the two don't get that statement misconstrued at all. The two statements are very very different, but still you're going to open up the door for some things you don't want to deal with if you hired Wes Wilcox, which they which they obviously didn't. So you know I I didn't know a ton about any of these candidates. So watching the reaction was funny. Like I talked to someone who was like in the NBA and and, and associated with the NBA. And that person was like, I didn't, I don't know who Monty McNair is. I didn't know who he was. And so for us to be super high on the hire or super low on the hire is really silly. The fact is the Kings had an opening. They interviewed multiple candidates and they made a hire that's a good thing. Like that's a positive and it should be looked at as nothing other than a positive. They actually went through a hiring process. They didn't bring in a former player like Jason Williams isn't running the team or Hito Turkaloo, or some other guy from the early two thousands who hasn't Mike Bibby isn't running the squad here. You know, some other guy from the early two thousands that you had to bring in here to treat reach to try and relive the so-called golden era of this franchise. It's a positive thing. They hired a front office executive to take over a front office job. That's a good thing. It's a, it's a great thing. And so I know the thing that made people uncomfortable the next day was the Joe Dumar stuff. And so Joe Dumar's being, you know, what is his, office, like chief, chief strategy officer, like, all right, cool. Like, people were talking about the businesses. Uh, he's going to be more on the business end rather than the basketball end. I know people have their reservations about that because, well, the, the, for some reason, Vlade's uh, forced exit has been thrown on the shoulders of Joe Dumars. Now, I don't know if it was Joe Dumars's idea. I don't know who, you know, we we used the line earlier this week on D1KC. Like, who... Did Vivek call Joe into a room and say, hey, I'm thinking about letting Vlade go, or did Joe call Vivek into a room and say, hey, I think you should consider letting Vlade go? And my belief is it was Vivek. I think Vivek went to Joe and said, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that again for those who missed it, I think this is what happened. I'm not reporting this is what happened, and I'm not going to use the cheap-ass line that so-called journalists use when they want to cop out of, a, of, of something that winds up not being true. I'm hearing, like, no, I think this is what happened. I think Vivette called Joe into her room and said, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And it's, it's a really simple thought in my mind because it's the same exact thought that I have about Luke Walton. You're not going anywhere with Vlade. You know you're not going anywhere with Vlade. You've shown season after season after season, specifically, you've shown off-season after off-season after off-season, you're not going to go anywhere with him. He continues to have poor relationships with agents. Uh, he continues to show with every move that he makes that he does not know what he's doing. He didn't know what he was doing when he took the job over, what was it, four years ago. He didn't know what he was doing when he said he was trying to light a fire under Harry Giles by not picking up his option. Like that, that statement in that exit conversation he had, I think it was with Marcos Paton of the Sacramento B. In that exit conversation, like, that's, that's all you needed to hear. I was trying to teach him a lesson, but I was confident we were going to resign him. Like, really? Bloody, I don't think you know how this works, fam. That is not at all how this works. And so he showed in his early days and he showed after his exit that he is not capable, he is not equipped to be a front office executive in the NBA. That's fine. I think Vivek finally realized that. And, and, and if I'm wrong, if my thinking is wrong, and it was actually Joe who went to v- uh, Vivek and said, hey, I don't think, this ain't it. Like, I, I think you should consider letting Vlade go. Or I think you should consider asking Vlade to take a step down. I think you should consider doing something else with Vlade and, and, and we kind of move on from there. Then I, I, J- Joe was right. I think that Joe Dumars was right. Whether it was Joe or whether it was Vivek. They were right because this organization was going nowhere and there is no greater exclamation point to that statement than his remarks about Harry Giles. It shows that he does not understand how contracts work. He, he does not understand how his position is that you don't, you can't light a fire under somebody by not picking up their option that it ultimately determines you're going to lose them because that's just the way that contracts are shaped. That's just the way that the collective bargaining agreement works. And so now with him out of the picture, because, again, not going anywhere, that's the way I feel about Luke Walton. Just, just make the call. I understand that there's money at stake. I understand that there's three years left on these deals. Or two years left, excuse me. There's, no, there's three, right? And there are three years left. They just signed the deal last year. There's three years left on these deals. Just dude, get out of it. They're the King teams going through a pandemic and, or the world is going through a pandemic. I don't know that most people realize that it feels like it's just kind of over and people have gone on with their lives, but that's fine. That's a different conversation, but the Kings have still lost money. And it sounds like the NBA wants to go ahead. And and I understand this. They, they want to, they're, they're, they're going to hold off. We're looking at, I, I still think they said no sooner than December 25th for the start of next season. I've been of the belief, and that belief was certainly shaken when they moved the the draft back and free agency back and all of that stuff, but I've been of the belief that opening day would be Christmas Day. Um, We know for sure it's not going to start before Christmas. We don't have an official start date. I wonder if they do like the baseball gimmick. Remember a, a couple years ago where baseball started uh, like overseas, like it started. I don't, I don't remember exactly where. Like, did they play in? I f- I feel like they played in like Japan or something. They played somewhere that wasn't in America. They played somewhere far away, but it was still like two weeks before opening day. I wonder if they have what? What is it? What would it be? Five, so ten teams maybe open up on Christmas Day, but then you have like f- six more days off. And then the season and then the season for everybody else starts. So those ten teams play a game on Christmas Day and then everybody, you know, they get they get the next six days off and then everybody starts the season on, you know, January second or whatever, or third, or however you wanna work that out. Or maybe matinee games on December thirty first, probably that's probably not the the best strategic television idea. But they wanna do it in market right they don't they they, they, they they know you know an 82 game season and this may be the long rumored shifting of the NBA year that we've heard so much about a december to august rather than a november to to june or an october to june like this this may finally be the shift in the NBA season calendar year that we have heard so much about for what like i think like 3 or 4 years now this might be it because the, the the other note that came out is that they want to play 82 games. They want to play 82 games. It's not going to start before December, and they want to do it in market. Okay, well, even if they do it in market, and this is going to tie back to the Kings, this is where I was going with this, if they wind up doing it in market, like, great. But it's not like there's going to be 17,000 fans at the Golden 1 Center. Certainly not in December, and I doubt any time next season. And how they navigate it, like, say, because, you know, there, you see football teams allowing uh, fans in. You know, we saw... Kansas City had fans in the building. We saw, I think Cleveland did. And I'm not sure who else does. I I don't know. I don't feel like very many did, to be honest with you. But I know Kansas City did for sure. I know Cleveland did. Those were two of the primetime games. And so the difference is, though, I know Dallas will this weekend now that I think about it. But, you know, the difference is those stadiums are outside. And, you know, if you saw Jerry's, astonishing, you know, press conference from like two months ago or a month and a half ago or whatever it was, where he talks about the ventilation in AT&T Stadium being conducive to fighting the coronavirus. It was just, it was an extraordinary statement saying that the ventilation in his arena that were his stadium that was built so many years ago is actually a great way to combat the COVID virus. Okay, Jerry, like, Cool. But the point I'm trying to get at is, it's not the same when you're indoors. So a lot of the reason that these college football stadiums and these NFL stadiums are able to do this with fans in in attendance is because it's outdoors. And I'm not going to pretend enough, I'm not going to pretend to know enough about how this virus spreads to where like being outdoors like makes you safe. Like, it, it, there's, and I'm not insinuating that's a line of garbage either. Like we've seen, you know, restaurants expand patios. We've seen streets in downtown Sacramento shut down. We've seen streets, you know, we, we, we've seen smaller streets in, in cities all over the country shut down so restaurants can kind of expand their area, push into the streets, create seating, different things like that. I mean, that's all, that's all good. That's a positive. Like, all right, cool. Like it makes sense. But how does that play into account with the NBA? because the air circulation is different. And so if you're working already with an extremely limited capacity in a 60,000 seat stadium, what are we talking about in a entirely different type of ventilated indoor arena? And I in 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 and it's not just it's not fans as the only reason that the NBA wants to have games in market like they they can't they know that keeping players coaches, staff members away from their family for 82 games is a whole lot different than keeping them away for reseeding games, uh, exhibition games. And then once the playoffs, like all bets are off once you get to the playoffs, because it's like, well, you could be done in two weeks or or you could keep going. And then we've seen as the NBA season has continued to go along, family, friends of players, now coaches, now staff has been able to, you know, to kind of, infiltrate the bubble, if you will. So the NBA knows that they're not going to be able to do that for a full 82 game season. And so they want to get back into, they want to get back into the home arenas, but, but, but without, you know, if, if, gosh, what was it? 60, 60,000 seat stadium at Arrowhead. And they had, what like a couple, what did, what did they maybe have like a couple thousand? And I think, uh, I think someone. I, th- I think we're getting ready to see five thousand uh, in a couple of other stadiums in the coming weeks. I know Dallas is twenty five percent capacity, which is mind boggling to think. Because what what capacity are they using? Because AT and T Stadium can seat hundred thousand, or, or it, it, I, not, sorry, not seat hundred thousand. It can fit hundred thousand because of the standing room only areas. So is twenty five percent capacity. 25,000 people or are they going to work with the more traditional football number, which is closer to like an 80,000 capacity. And then they're going to work from there. Cause I'm, t- I mean, 25,000 people in a stadium. I don't I, And it's big, like the Dallas stadium is big. AT&T stadium is big. Don't, don't get me wrong, but man, Oh, and you know, Jerry, if he can get, if he can, if he can work that number and say, "Well, wait a minute, our capacity here is one hundred one thousand. Of course, we can fit twenty five thousand people in here." Man, that's 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 scary to think about. But the the Kings aren't going to be able to do that. No NBA team is going to be able to do that. And if you are letting fans in, like how many are we talking about? I, I would think we're not even talking about in the thousands at this point. Maybe we're talking about a couple of hundred fans, just kind of spread out throughout the arena the point I'm trying to make in this long diatribe that felt like it was going nowhere, but I promise it was is how much money are you really going to be able to make back with that? And you know, there's talks of, you know, the salary cap, we, we know Adam silver has said from day one, we're going to have to change the salary cap. Like the salary cap is going to drop because we just, we, we, we have to make this up somewhere. And, I think they've already talked about it with the Collective Bargaining, uh, or not with the Collective Bargaining Agreement, with the Players Association. And Adam said that one of the first times Adam Silver spoke after the pandemic started, after the pandemic had really got going, the season had shut down, and they thought, okay, we're, just, we're, we're not even going to reevaluate this. We're not even going to look at this until I think it was June, May or June. And then the rumors of restarting and crowning an NBA champion really kind of kicked into high gear. And the first time he spoke, one of the very first things that he said, was we're going to have to lower the salary cap. That's one of the biggest changes we're going to have to make next year. The question is by how much, you know, how much per team, how much is, and it's, 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 it's going to drop off all, all, all throughout the league. Every team is going to be operating with the same thing. You know what I mean? So if the salary cap is a hundred and, you know, I don't know, I'll make up a number 150 million or whatever, 160 million. I I would think at minimum, it's going to drop 20 million each, or 20 million across the league. I would think and that's at, that is just at absolute minimum. And I think it'll go back up, but it won't go back up. We don't even know. And here's here's another scary thing that the NBA is going to have to deal with that doesn't get covered the same way. We don't know what the arenas are going to look like once they are able to reopen. Like think about what's gone on in the last I don't know, eternity, but what has it been 7 months now or cl- or close to it, 6 7 months? I mean, you've had so many people lose their jobs. We've had the greatest unemployment rate in the history of this country. You know, people got, some people, not all people, some people got a stimulus check. You know, some people had to file for unemployment. Some people got extensions. Some people didn't. Like, the disposable income, like, let's, let's say, what, what are we, it's, it's September 19th, let's, a year from now. Let's say we're on the upswing in terms of our handling of COVID. A vaccine is out there. The world is getting a little bit more normal. I know Dr. Fauci said things might not actually be normal until the end of 2021. Dr. Fauci said, like, if you want a true, like, if, if, if I were to give you, like, okay, can we get back to life, like, the way it was before COVID hit, he said it's probably looking to be at the end of 2021. And so I'm thinking like, all right, let's 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 get a little bit more optimistic and say summer, summer of 2021. And now we can, you know, we can go about our lives. We do, we're not required to wear masks anymore. People have vaccines. There's treatments like everyone is. We know, you know, long term effects are minimal unless you're already. At re- we, we, we've got a handle on stuff, let's just say. And I think that is extremely optimistic thinking to think we're going to have a handle on things one year from now. But let's go with it. What does disposable income look like at that point for people? What is going do going to and I and I and I realize I take this for granted as as a you know member of the media going to a Kings game doesn't cost the same as for 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 me as it does for you because just I mean I don't have to pay for the ticket. Not only do I don't have to pay for the ticket, I don't have to pay the twenty dollars for parking. I don't even have to buy the ten dollar water. I can get you know some water in in, in the media room. So when I think about you know, think about thinking about disposal, because I know I'm not paying that. I mean, just alone, a bottle of water and parking is $30. And I haven't even included the price of the ticket yet. And that's just if I went by myself, you know, now we're talking about kids going and families going and all of these different things. So you've got people and their, you know, individual incomes that have changed. But on top of that, businesses. How much have suite owners in 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 businesses, you know, who who own seats for their companies, like how much has their discretionary income changed? And it, and and I understand with businesses owning season tickets to the Kings is a like it's it's a write off. You use it as a you use it as a perk for clients. You use it as. Uh, an incentive, you, you know, for your for your for your workforce like I I understand all that. But still, a, a, a write off isn't like a, it's not a dollar for dollar write off. I think the way my accountant used to explain it is, you know, you you write off the dollar, you're going to get like 30 to 40 cents back. Like, all right, it's it's that's good, but it's not it's not dollar for dollar. It's not like it's free. So, you know, I think the NBA has this thought at least publicly. Okay, you know, things will get back to normal. The salary cap will get back to normal. We'll have all of these things functioning in full goal, like all good. But behind the scenes, they got to be talking about, man, are we going to be able to fill like what, you know, what states have been impacted the hardness? And I think Sacramento has to be in that equation. Like, are we going to be able to fill the Golden 1 Center? You know, you've got to look around at some of the areas, these other areas, New York. Now, New York is obviously a massive, massive, massive population but they were hit really hard. You no, know, and you've got Brooklyn there and you've got Madison Square Garden there and then not too far away you have the TD Gardens and you start to think like okay, what about areas like New Orleans and Charlotte? What about the, you know, the so-called smaller, smaller markets, Oklahoma City? What about places like that who have been hit and impacted by this? So I I I don't know. Uh, but you know, there were there's Joe Dumars had I had read a lot this week about Joe Dumars and the impact that he had on you know downtown Detroit and Detroit businesses and things like that. And I wonder if that is what Vivek is is betting on is making him because he he's technically he's supposed to be a part of the business side of the Sacramento Kings and that is the chief strategy officer. I don't I don't know that that was I got to pull up the email to see if that is the official title. I know it's chief strategy something, but I I don't know. I was happy about the hire. I'm I'm fine with. Joe Dumars being here, you know, I think there's, you know, one thing that's worth recognizing is, you know, people get antsy, and understandably so. And we've talked about this at length with the Sacramento Kings; they get antsy about that so-called advisory role. And you know, Vlade was brought in as an advisor, and he wound up knocking out Pete DeLisandro. Joe Dumars was brought in as an, as an advisor, and Vlade wound up getting knocked out. So now it's like, well, Joe's still there, and we're bringing in a new general manager. But I think the good thing is, like, Joe works. Like, Joe Dumars has been a member of the Sacramento. I, I, know, it didn't, I know it didn't feel like it because he wasn't necessarily around, but Joe Dumars has been a, an employee of the Sacramento Kings for over a year. Or, uh, yeah, 2000, what was it, June, July 2019? Something like that. So it's not like he it's not like he's being brought in after the fact. Like Monty McNair was hired knowing Joe's here. And whether he's on the business side or he has an ear in the basketball game, doesn't matter. Like if I'm Monty McNair, you could use Joe Dumars as a resource. Why not? Joe Dumars has front office experience. I don't know why that's so forgotten. Like Joe Dumars not only has front office experience, he's the first black executive to win an NBA championship. And he did it, arguably, without a superstar. He did it with four All-Stars. But, I mean, are any of those guys Hall of Famers? Rip, Chauncey, Ben? I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're border, maybe maybe Rasheed, maybe they're borderline or they're close, but that is, that is just, a, there's no Shaq there. There's no Kobe there. There's no LeBron. There's, 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 there's no Giannis and KD and Steph. None of those guys. Those are just four really good players. That wound up, I mean they went to the Eastern Conference Finals 100 years in a row. They wound up winning, you know, the 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 NBA championship. They they had that phenomenal series where I think LeBron really established himself as, you know, the greatest player in the league when when LeBron single-handedly brought the Cavs back to beat Detroit that year. He went to the finals when the Cleveland Cavaliers had absolutely zero business being in the NBA finals. But, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd lean on him a little bit. And I, and I think that's, you know, change Change can be exciting. And I think that's what Kings fans are, are banking on. It can certainly be scary, uh, especially, <laughs> especially when it comes to the Kings. It can definitely be scary, but it can be really exciting at the same time. And that's what I'm leaning on. I'm leaning on excitement. I thought Vlade was terrible. I said that, said that a long time ago. I I, ne- I never really changed my mind. Um, I think a lot of the the things that have worked out for him, he fell into. He fell into Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes was a late free agency signing. He was available. It's not like he went for him and it was like, oh, what a brilliant move. Like no, like late in free agency, Rashawn Holmes was still there, so we signed him. It worked. It was a great signing. But I don't I don't think that was some strategic effort by Vladi. Remember, he signed Trevor Ariza before him. And he signed Dwayne Dedman before him. Those were their targets. Not, Rash- not, not Rashawn Holmes. Buddy he Healed. Like you talk about the DeMarcus Cousins trade. And that's a difficult thing to get into because DeMarcus' career has just come to a, a, a virtual end. Or if, if not an end, certainly a complete halt. I've said this before. It is possible for both teams to lose a trade. My problem was never with Buddy Healed. My problem was that they centered on Buddy Healed. Like, okay, we're not going to trade DeMarcus Cousins four days go later. You know what? We are going to trade DeMarcus Cousins. We're not going to tell anybody, but we're going to trade him for Buddy Heald. Wait, what? Sorry? Because you know that, you know, I know this is the popular name to use because it was true because he's publicly said it. You know bad Danny Ainge wanted to get his hands on DeMarcus Cousins? You know how many picks that he had to move? And I guess that's the other thing. Like, what do picks matter if you don't do anything with them? Like if you if you if you can't execute your selection properly, what do the picks matter? But I never liked anything that he did, and he doesn't get credit for drafting De'Aaron Fox. Like Jesus, De'Aaron was there. What else? What like what was he going to do instead? He, he doesn't. Get, if 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 Lade had been drafting, if the Kings had been drafting second, and he drafted De'Aaron, he gets credit for that. He doesn't get credit for drafting the the best player who was left on the board, though, you know, he hasn't always done that. So point is, change can be really exciting, and I'm really excited for the change that, that appears to be ahead for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. It doesn't mean I'm 100% confident. It doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, I think this is all going to go well. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to see what Money McNair does. I want to see what happens when an actual basketball front office executive is allowed to put together a team uh, I would like to see what an actual front office executive could do with this team when he has the coach that he wants in place. And I don't think there have been any official confirmations or rumblings that Luke Walden is going to remain the head coach. Most of us assume that he is simply because of the financial aspect involved in this. It's why most of us thought Vlade wasn't going anywhere because of the financial aspect involved in this. But Vlade is gone. Hell, just make it a clean sweep. Move on from here, because I can't envision a scenario. I can't envision a scenario where money. M- well, I mean, I can. I don't know. Monty McNear thinking. Maybe he thinks Luke Walton is a great coach. I don't know. I have no idea. But I guess we'll all find out together. Uh, the Lakers got a win last night. The the, the this, 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 this what a fascinating series between, you know, the Nuggets and the Clippers and all of the jokes that came out of that. And now the Lakers. You know, they open up. The Lakers had lost. You know, game one a couple of times here in the NBA playoffs. LeBron. Generally, you know, he, he uses the term, it's a feeling out game. I, I, I don't necessarily love that line from him because it's not like he's seeing a team for the very first time that year. But he has talked about that. He said, you know, I've, I've used game one as a feeling out game before. And it's hard to argue with him because he's lost and he's come back and won that series uh, on many occasions, including twice this year. But I don't think anybody saw LeBron losing. I don't think anybody saw the Lakers losing yesterday after the MVP was announced, and Giannis Antetokounmpo won his second straight MVP. Now, that is not an egregious selection. It's not like Giannis is garbage. It's not like Giannis didn't deserve to be the MVP. Uh, of course, Giannis's situation is magnified by 100 right now because he's not there. He was supposed to be playing. He was an NBA championship favorite. He was an NBA finals favorite, and he wound up not going to the finals. He wound up not going to the, to, the, to, the, to the conference finals. So when LeBron saw, I think he got 16 first place votes and he tweeted about it. It's like, oh yeah, he's going to go off tonight. And he gave a, you know, they, he was asked at media about the MVP voting. And I thought, I thought that he gave a great answer. Here's LeBron James talking about, um, here's LeBron James talking about uh, the MVP voting or or not actually it's is not essentially the mvp voting but just like selection like like award selection uh here's lebron james
0: piss me off that's my truly that's my true answer um it pissed me off because um out of 101 votes i got 16 first first place votes um that's what pissed me off more than anything you know, not saying that um, you know the the winner wasn't deserving of the MVP, um, but that pissed me off. Um, and I finished second a lot in my in my career, um, either from a championship and now four times as the MVP. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I never I never came into this league saying to me, "I'll uh, be MVP," or, or um, you know. Be a champion. I've always said I just want to get better and better every single day. And uh, those things that take care of itself. There's some things that's just out of my hand and some things you can't control. Uh, But it pissed me off.
1: It's wild to think that LeBron James has been uh, second place in MVP voting four times. Absolutely amazing. Here's more from LeBron.
0: I'm fine. Um, Don't get it twisted. Like, I'm going back to my room. I'm perfectly fine. I mean, we're at 1-0 in the Western Conference Finals. I'm absolutely fine. So, like, I was pissed off at the reaction earlier when I saw that. I'm absolutely great now. I'm going back to my room, drink some wine, and sleep very well tonight. So, let's not get it twisted. I'm great.
1: Um, LeBron is great. That's There's actually one more clip uh, that I really want you to, to, to hear. I think it's the longest one, but he's talking about He's talking about the voting scale, and you know he had the opportunity. To, here, here's LeBron talking about the voting scale and how he doesn't quite understand it. But listen to what he's saying because he makes this is it's such a great point that he makes.
0: The voting scale is a little weird to me sometimes. I mean, if you take 2012, if you just just stick with me, here. 2012, 2013, I had a chance to be Defensive Player of the Year and also MVP in the same season. Um, And that year Mark Gasol was rewarded defensive player of the year, but he made second team all defense. Okay, so that doesn't make sense. It's it's like being the MVP of the league, but you make second team all NBA. That's when I really started to look at things a little bit kind of like differently. I was like, how does that even make any sense? it's like being rookie of the year, but you make second team all rookie, you know? And then I looked at the most improved this year and rightfully so. Brandon Ingram was amazing and I, you know, I thought he should have won it. But did you see the votes that Devontae Graham get? He averaged four points last year compared to 17 and a half. If that's not improving, what is? And it's, it's, it's just a, it's a weird thing sometimes that you just—I don't know how much we are really watching the game of basketball, or are we just in the narration mode, the narrative?
1: I think LeBron—that's I, I, that's such a great point because a lot of people, you know, there are people in the industry uh, who don't talk about it as much, and they are obviously, certainly, players, as LeBron just stated, who have an issue you know, with media being able to vote because when you are a, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, what do you do? Do you, do you turn the voting over to players? Do you turn the voting over to coaches? Do you, do you leave it in the hands of the media? Because think about this, if you're a, if you're a media member and you live in a certain market now, now it's not like, you know, I think most people who vote on this are, are national media members. Some are local, but like I think most are national. But if you're covering a team, you're watching that team. I don't think anyone who covers a team should have a vote. I don't think a play-by-play announcer who covers the Sacramento Kings should have a vote. Not a television play-by-play announcer. Not a radio play-by-play announcer. Because you're watching that one team over and over again. Guys like Sam Amick, Sam Amick should have a vote. Absolutely, 100%. Guys like Jeff Zilgit, Shams Karnian, Adrian Wojanowski those guys should have a vote. Rachel Nichols, those guys who those guys and girls, those people who cover the league, they should have a vote. No local beat writer should have a vote. No local personality, no uh, uh team play-by-play guy, no team employee for God's sakes should have a vote because you're not seeing as much. And you know the the great a a great question to have when he's talking about Brandon Ingram right there. And this was something that I thought of. It's not that Brand Brandon Ingram certainly deserves most improved player like I I don't know that people are, are it's not that he no one's arguing that Brandon Ingram isn't deserving just like no one's arguing Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't deserving but you heard him bring up Devontae Graham there and going from four points to 17 points and it's like if that's not improvement what is it like like if that's not improvement what is and when when um When Ingram won the award, I thought, all right, like that's cool. He's the number two overall pick. Like, all right, like he did his expectations were pretty high. It, it, that's not again, it's not the point. Like, he improved. And that's what we're talking about, right? That's 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 what the award is. Improved. But you look at Devontae Graham, and it's like Devontae Graham was drafted in the second freaking round. He was drafted in the second round. He only started three games his rookie season. He was playing 14 minutes per game, averaging four points per game. He works hard. He gets going. He gets an opportunity to play more minutes, 35 points per game, or excuse me, 35 minutes per game. And now he's averaging 18 points. And so maybe, maybe, maybe that's the argument. Maybe, maybe people look at Devontae Graham and go, well, the reason he improved so much is because he's playing so much more. He went from averaging 15 minutes to averaging 35 minutes. And with Brandon Ingram, he was playing big, big minutes the whole time. Uh, he just he got better along the way. Once he got out of L- L.A., you know, situations surroundings, all of that stuff, pressure, it all kind of changes. It kind of changes for him when he leaves Los Angeles. You know, we note the same thing with, you know, with Lonzo Ball. But Ingram went from, you know, playing roughly the same exact amount of minutes. He went from averaging 18 points to 23 points per game. Now that's, that's really good. I mean, he averages more assists. He averages more rebounds, all of that stuff. Again, same amount of minutes. He's playing the same amount of minutes, but he's averaging you know a couple of more points, or not a couple sorry, I don't want to diminish it. He's averaging five points more per game. And I think there is a I, I don't know if 18 to 23 is a it's a jump for sure. I feel like 18 to like I, th- I feel like you're starting get starting to get into like elite scoring t- territory when you start to get to like 27. So we went from 18 to 23, and it's like, yeah, that's good. But is, is that, again, there's no argument that he didn't improve. But again, it's, it's the subjectiveness of all of this. And I, get, I mean everything in life is subjective. Everything that you vote on is subjective. as we're all going to find out in November. But I, thought, I think LeBron has, has great points right there, where he talks about, like how do you you know he used the example. You know, the, 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 the all- defensive, it, that's wild. I, that's not even a thing that I remember. I remember that, that 2012 year that he was talking about. I thought that was one of the greatest I thought it was one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen from a professional basketball player. I was only seven when Michael Jordan had the, the 1988 season. So I can't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. I have no recollection of it at all. But I remember that 20, I remember that season for LeBron thinking, oh, dude, not to mention, if I'm wrong, yeah, that's an Olympic year. Like, he won a gold medal that year in addition to all of the other things that he was doing. I think it's the greatest, one of the, I think it's the greatest basketball season I've ever seen. We saw Steph Curry have a, you know, a, a tremendous year a couple of years later. But it still, it pales in comparison to me to that LeBron season. And to know that the guy that he lost, the Defensive Player of the Year trophy to, was Mark Gasol, who they didn't put on All-NBA First Team, just led you to believe that they didn't want to give LeBron James the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year. And he talks about narratives, and that's that's what it feels like. It, 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 it feels like, well, narrative. Like, what is the conversation? And there are all sorts of narratives in the Big Ten. Big Ten's underway. We've got the schedule. Ohio State and Nebraska kick off Big Ten football coming up October 24th. My goodness, man. How quickly times have changed. Big Ten, nope, we're not playing it. Michigan, Michigan State, nope. mm Mm-mm. Ain't happening. We're not doing it. Not doing it. Full-on Mike Singletary. Can't do it. Oh, wait a minute. Everybody else is doing it. Oh. Wait a minute. Okay, let's do it. Let's play. Vote gets done and and they out here doing it. Ohio State versus Michigan is December eleventh. A couple weeks later than normal. I, I think they'll be they'll be done in time. They're not gonna play as many games. The SEC gets underway today. They're not gonna be playing as many games as the SEC and some of these other conferences, but you know, this is gonna be the most subjective College football selection, college football playoff selection in history. They're all subjective, but this is going to be the worst. The worst by far. Because there's no, there's no SEC Big Ten matchup. There's no, there's no cross-conference matchups. And now the Pac-12 the PAC is getting involved. Pac-12 is, they're, they're, they're expecting, you know, the, the, I saw that the announcement is, is expected to come next Thursday. I think they're voting on Monday. They're voting in the upcoming days with, and we all know how this is going to go. They're going to announce that PAC PAC 12 was originally going to play in spring. And then, and then, and then the block got hot and then it's like, well, you know, we're, we're unwavering. We're going to keep these kids safe. You know, maybe our early guesses, maybe we can get to, you know, maybe, maybe January, you know, maybe we could get to the new year, but that's what we're looking at. I heard Larry Scott say this himself, the commissioner of the PAC 12. Yeah you know we we were originally thinking spring, but we might be able to do something in January, and you know we'll kind of go from there and then about a week later, it was ah uh, well maybe thanksgiving maybe 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 thanksgiving, and then the college football season got underway yesterday the, the you know Donald Trump has been pressuring big ten schools to play, of course, because those are all swing states in the election, Cleveland, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and then of course. No one cares about the Pac-12. The state votes blue no matter what, despite the fact that I swear Sacramento doesn't feel like it. It does. It, the, the state of California is, is blue, so no one cares. No one's going to apply political pressure, but they have passed this off on Gavin Newsom. USC wrote a letter to Gavin Newsom like, please let us play. Gavin Newsom was out about, asked about it in a press conference. He was like, it got nothing to do with me. What are you talking about? There's nothing. In, there's nothing in our setup that precludes the Pac-12 from playing football or playing any sport for that matter. The very next day. Meetings start taking place, and it looks like Pac-12 is back. So college football is happening. It's not going off without a hitch. Hell, there have already been games canceled today. But you know that's 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 the world we live in. Try to get it in. Try to get something done. Week two of the NFL season uh, gets underway tomorrow. Or I, I, I'm sorry, I do that. It get, it gets underway this weekend. It gets underway Sunday, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, 49ers and the Jets tomorrow. If you're a big 49er fan, make sure you lock into ESPN 1320 at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Wake up early on Sunday uh, for those of you who consider 8 a.m. early. Uh, come wake up and and we'll get you ready uh, for the 49ers and the Jets, and then we'll be back post game to recap everything that happened uh, in that game as well as everything that happened in the early games. Make sure you check out Sports Extra. Uh, following the Chiefs and the Chargers. And then make sure you check out Sports Sunday at 11.30 p.m. Set your DVR uh, to record Sports Sunday on CBS 13. Uh, I'll be on there with Marshall Harris and Sarah Hodges. A quick look at some of these games, Giants and the Bears. That's interesting. How about that win by the Bears last week? Money-making Mitch. Mitch better have my money. Is Matt Nagy going to have to slap a Mitch? He got it all done last week. All in the fourth quarter, that is. He didn't get it done in any other quarter. But he left a glimmer of hope there in the third quarter for Bears fans. Uh, they're going to be taking on the New York Giants. Looks like the Bears could be two and zero. We'll see what things. We'll see how things uh, shake out with the Giants, the Falcons, and the Cowboys at AT and T Stadium. Um, Falcon, I, I don't know what to think of either one of those teams. To be honest, I I, I thought the Cowboys were going to. I thought the Cowboys were going to have a lot more fire than they did against the Los Angeles Rams. And maybe that's a credit to the Rams and rather than a disservice to the Cowboys, but we'll probably have a pretty good indication after they play Atlanta coming up this weekend. The Packers and the Lions, the Lions, we talked about everything that, uh, uh the Chicago Bears did. fact is DeAndre Swift had the ball in his hands for the go ahead score. He just turned and it fell out. That's why the Detroit Lions lost. They'll be taking on the Green Bay Packers who as stupid, and I recognize this, don't You don't have to tweet me to tell me. I realize how stupid this sounds, but I was stunned by Aaron Rodgers' play in week one. I don't know why. I didn't expect it. I just didn't. I didn't expect three, three. what was it, three, 400 yards, uh, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I expected a significantly more reserved game from Aaron. Again, I don't know why. I just was. Maybe it's because I wasn't talking about him. Maybe it's because they had like the quietest 13-3 and season in history last year. I don't know, but that I, if, if I were to pick Week 1 Shockers, that that would be somewhere near the top of my list. The Vikings and the Colts looking for their first win. Uh, Phillip Rivers didn't exactly look stellar in his debut. I think highly of that Colts roster. I feel like after Week 1, I think too highly of that Colts roster. Uh, but the Vikings' defense without Daniil Hunter is not nearly the problem. It is with Daniil Hunter, and I know that is a hell of a hot take on my part. You lose your best defensive player. You're not as good. Whew. That's why they pay me the big bucks over there at ESPN 1320 bills and the dolphins. I don't buy the bills. I was too high on the dolphins. I don't know how that game is going to turn out. I know the 49ers need to get their first win in that game against the jets, the Rams and the Eagles. I'm not all in on the Rams yet. I don't buy it. Not yet. I need to see more from them and I need to see it this week against Philly. And boy, that, that, that stove is going to get hot. I know that's a baseball term, hot stove, but the seat's going to get hot. Things are going to get hot. The block is going to get hot. If, if the Philadelphia Eagles fall to 0-2, it's going to start being some concerns, if you will, about Carson Wentz. A good week one win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They'll take on the Denver Broncos. Not a particularly exciting game between the Broncos and the Titans last week. I still think the Broncos have enough to grab, you know, seven, eight wins this season. Uh, the Panthers and the Buccaneers, I don't buy the Bucks whatsoever. I'm going to stick by that. I don't think they lose this weekend but I'm not buying them. Everybody's all in love with Brady and Gronkowski. Get out of here. I'm not buying it whatsoever. Jaguars and the Titans. Well, they're both 1-0. That's a, yeah, that's a pass. I'm just going to pass on that one. How about Washington? The football team versus the Cardinals. Two teams, can't believe I'm about to say this, two teams that I actually like. I, I appreciated the way the Cardinals played uh, last week. I, I knew that you know we had, were focusing on Kyler Murray. We are focusing on DeAndre Hopkins. Their defense got better. They made acquisitions in the offseason to get better defensively. They'll be taking on a Washington football team. Dwayne Haskins did not play great. I continue to to hope for Dwayne Haskins' success. Despite the fact that they won last week, despite the fact that he led a great comeback against the Philadelphia Eagles, he did not play great. I want to see... A great performance from Dwayne Haskins, and I'm good with either one of those teams uh, winning that game there. The Ravens and the Texans. Uh, I think the Texans stink. This might be blowout city, man. I just hope the Ravens don't hurt Deshaun Watson because Bill O'Brien sucks. I think I've gone close to a week without saying that phrase. It feels better. It feels better once I say it. Bill O'Brien sucks. Chiefs and the Chargers, Pat Mahomes all the way. And then I got the Seahawks and Patriots or we got the Seahawks, uh we got the Patriots in Seattle. I think the Patriots and Cam Newton, two of my favorite quarterbacks here in this game. I think the Patriots walking to Seattle and get a win. I know the atmosphere in Seattle is going to be different. It's not it's not going to nearly be the home field advantage that it is. God, we probably at this point, I haven't heard anything about it this week, but we probably need to look at the air quality too. Like it's it's been terrible, you know, up there in the Pacific Northwest, but I'm going I'm going Patriots. I'm going Patriots and Cam walking into Seattle and getting themselves a win over Seattle. And I haven't picked this game yet, but I'm leaning heavily. I was, I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong about the Raiders. I said they were a six or seven win team. I think they might be a playoff team, especially with the expanded format right now. Run Josh Jacobs. Give Josh Jacobs the ball get him going, take some pressure off Derek Carr, allow Derek Carr to not have to make big plays, but allow him to just be efficient. I like this Raider team. I think I'm leaning heavily towards picking the Raiders over the Saints, and I think I'll go ahead and make that pick now. I'm going Raiders over Saints in this one. Now, this is the Monday night game, so I reserve to change my mind. I have until 1.56 p.m. on Monday afternoon to change my mind, but right now I'm going Raiders over Saints. And I thank you so much for tuning in. Sky Natural CBD. Use the promo code in the game if you're looking for any CBD products. If you're having trouble sleeping through all of the you know pandemic, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, all of the election coming up, uh, Sky Natural CBD is a great way to just bring it down a little bit. Chill out. I take some drops right before I go to bed. I'm in pretty good shape. Remember, check out Vibe Health Bar. Uh, keep your immune system boosted with all of the healthy food that they have, and of course, grab your more than a podcast T shirts, grab your Deuce and Mo T shirts, uh, grab all of that good stuff over at the dot and then check out the rest of the podcast here on the Be Her platform. J Street Vibes, Sean and Vaughn. If you're a Kings fan and you haven't heard watching the tape, I really think you're going to dig that one. Sanjus, who's been on this show before, he's been on the Sacramento Kings podcast with me before. Just great stuff. From Sanjas and Tim, I'm, I'm really proud of what those guys are doing. I'm really proud of what Sean and Vaughn are doing. So go check out those podcasts. And then please, if you will, download the radio.com app and make sure you check out D'Lo and KC Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 on ESPN 1320. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you here next week on the podcast with Damian Barley.